Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. Game day Thursday. It's already back. We're already in week three. This is when someone says, can you believe how fast it goes? It does go fast. It's week three, but I absolutely love it. This show goes fast, too. Thank you for watching. Appreciate you. We're going to talk all about the Thursday nighter. We're going to talk about the New York Giants and the custom that they're asking their fans to start, which is a little weird, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, obviously, all sorts of Steelers Brown stuff. Also, we asked. You delivered. Family confessional. That's when you call right here to Kyle Brandt's basement, and you say, man, I really messed this up with my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, anything. Can you help me? Can you purge me? Yeah, absolutely I can. We got voicemails from real people, you guys, and I will answer them, and I will confess some of the own dumb stuff I've done with my own kids. But we have all kinds of fun today. A lot of reaction from Josh Allen yesterday. Thank you for watching. That's the man. He goes conventionally on a Sunday this week against Miami. But let's start the show. We always do it with the free throw. I'm getting a lot of heat as we go to the sky cam. A lot of heat from uh, the, the, uh, the Kyle Brandt's basement staff, and they're comparing my free throw shooting. Shaq would be a compliment. I'm making uh, Shaq look like, uh, I don't know, um, who's a great, uh, Ray Allen. I'm making Shaq look like Steve Nash or Ray Allen. Chris Dudley and Ben Wallace are the comparisons I'm getting, because it's really bad. Here we go. Dink, dink, dink. Can I make it? Can I start the show? Thursday show with a little free throw action. Ah, so bad, so bad. Sorry, I know I'm jerking around all the cameras. I missed again. I think my free throw percentage is sub 40%. I'm good on the practice range. I'm drilling these things, I promise you. Who cares? Let's get into what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious now, please. Didn't they bring in Kareem once to help Shaq with his free throws? I don't know. I, I, I doubt very much that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is going to come into Kyle Brandt's basement. But I will take the former UCLA and Miami Dolphins running back by the same name. I always liked him. What I love, I love layers. Like lasagna, deep dish pizza, onions, whatever you want. A lot of layers in tonight's Thursday Night Football game. Okay, so you got Browns, Steelers. The game's coming hot this year. They wasted no time. They had no chill with the schedule. Rivalry games right away. And also just like right into the meat of the matter here. One of the Steelers of the Browns are going to be one and two. I think the Browns are really interesting right now. I was asked this morning at Good Morning Football. Not the best question from the Good Morning Football producers. of Who needs a win more? Both coming off losses, Browns or the Steelers. And I, I don't even see the case for the Steelers in that question. I don't know how Good Morning Football ever won an Emmy posing questions like that. Um, the Steelers had a tough loss to the Patriots. Their offense didn't look great, but who cares? They're one and one. It happens. You lose to the Patriots sometimes. The Browns had Armageddon. Let's just look at the quickly, quickly if we can. I don't know if it's possible to do it quickly. The 2022 Browns. Slightly significant offseason storyline regarding their quarterback position in which they were just dragged through mud and kicked in the teeth for months, as they should have been. I delivered a lot of those kicks myself. Then you start week one at Carolina and you avoid the apocalypse. You almost lost to Baker Mayfield. If not for your rookie kicker bailing you out by, for uncorking like a 58-yarder, you would have lost to Baker Mayfield, which looks terrible for the organization, terrible for the company. Um, that's not a great thing. But you won, okay? You won. You played well, and that's right. That's good. In the meantime, then you had this stupid brownie, the elf, in midfield. 
which was polarizing at best. I tried to take up for it. And then you completely crapped your pants in week two against the Jets. Not even like the real Jets, the Joe Flacco Jets. Terrible, terrible. After which, first of all, there was an incident in which your owner had a, one of your own fans throw something at him. You see that? Mr. Haslam walking off the field, somebody just chucks a bottle and he like stops in his tracks and his wingtips. Not an ideal optic for uh, the organization. Then after this terrible, terrible loss, in which it looked like the secondary was just quitting on plays and starting to point fingers, awful stuff, they are, became the first team in history to have a players-only meeting at one and one It's never happened before on any level, high school, Pop Warner, college pro, one and one We won a game, we lost the game, closed the doors, no coaches, players only, we're going to settle this. The Browns actually did that, and it was their defense, because guys like Denzel Ward are out on Twitter being like, it wasn't my fault. And PFF says, actually, it was. We locked down what you did, and you played terribly. And he's, like, going back and forth with people on Twitter saying, not me, guys. That's a bad, bad, bad look. So now if you lose again, if you lose in the national game and you lose to Mitch Trubisky, then it's really going downhill. And there's a lot of people who want the Browns to go downhill. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of them right now at all, but I like a lot of the players on their team. They have a lot happening, too. So... If they lose this game to get to one and two and they lose to Trubisky and it's just awful, the Steelers own them, it's a bad, bad, bad look. That's compelling to me. Then Pittsburgh, are you ready for Kenny Pickett yet, guys? Are you ready? There's just nothing more enticing than that sweet, sweet rookie. doesn't matter what team it is. If it's a quarterback in the NFL and you got the rookie on the sideline, get his butt out there. It is way too exciting. Uh, I've talked about Mr. Trubisky many times on this show and others. I've known the guy professionally for a long time. He's Mitch. He, he is not going to, going to morph into uh, Dan Marino or Patrick Mahomes. It's just not going to happen. He's also not going to morph into some crappy quarterback. It's just he is what he is. He's that great guy when your starter gets hurt, the CBS camera goes to him on the side. Oh, Mitch Trubisky is warming up. We'll have to see if he can keep the so-and-sos afloat. That's who he is. And that's, that's always how it's going to be. It's been that way for years. Uh, whether it's in Chicago, he spent a year in Buffalo, where, you know, I don't know if the magic just came off on him as a backup. So if he doesn't play well tonight, I think he's done. They're going to be one and two, and Kenny Pickett looked the part. That's a compelling storyline. The Mike Tomlin thing is always compelling because he's got his icy quotes, and he doesn't lose to the Browns, just doesn't do it. So if they get to one and two, the post game from Mike Tomlin is going to be great because he's going to be peppered with Trubisky questions. All kinds of things. You want a little, little like a deep dive for the game tonight? George Pickens. Uh, Steelers rookie wide receiver, real chirpy, great looking player, looked awesome in the preseason. He's this guy, you know, he lines up out there and when the corner comes up across from him, he goes bam and levels them. And not just in college, in the pros, like it's almost his signature move. It's very WWE like this guy. Uh, He hasn't been doing that. He also said after last week's game, he's like, I'm open 90% of the time. I don't know, like kind of a strange quote from a rookie. So there's all kinds of heat tonight. You know what I like about this game? There's pressure on both teams. Both teams are going to be a little tight. They're going to be feeling the pressure. It's not one of these games where you got, you know, a 6-2 and two team against, uh, I don't know, like a 5-3 and three team, and they both want to win. But, what, like, 1-2 and two is a crappy record. No one wants that at all. You want to get to at least 2-1 and one in the three games. And the fact that both of these teams have different types of motivation, I think it's good. We're going to get to some dogs on the Thursday night. Trust me. Look at the schedule. But I like this game a lot. I want to call out one other thing, too. I remember when uh, the Thursday night started on Amazon. You know, they did it in the preseason, and then they did it properly last week. I think some of the reaction was, I think people that I saw was a little bit, they were underwhelmed because they thought, this is supposed to change the world, and it's Amazon, it's the biggest company ever. And 
they're going to blow our minds with this pregame show. And, and then it was like, oh, it just kind of like looks like every other pregame show. And there's the, the crane shot that comes down, and there's this the anchor and the woman and the ex-player and this guy. I hear what you're saying, but I actually think one of the biggest difference makers, well, I love Carissa, obviously, but she's just a consistent pro in everything she does. I think people wanted something different, something unique from Amazon. I think that's going to be Richard Sherman. I think he is just getting warmed up. I got a chance to talk to him this morning, and he's already way, way, way better at his job than most people who are that new at it. I mean, he was playing like 10 minutes ago. He has takes and opinions on every single game. He, have, he has them with no fat on them. They're razor sharp. He delivers his opinions succinctly and with that conviction behind it. Like if you were to go around right now and have me do a fantasy draft of all the young, uh, let's say in the first couple of years, analysts, studio hosts and stuff, obviously my guy Jason McCourney, Good Morning Football, I love, but I would take Richard Sherman really high. Like I think he has almost a Charles Barkley-like ceiling. Different species. He's not giggly and super funny like Charles, but I think he has an opinion on everything, and I think he has moments in him where at the halftime they go to Richard Sherman and he does some sort of rant on some player, and it just explodes. Fascinating guy. I mean, we've all watched him. If you're watching me, you've been watching Richard Sherman probably since he was a young player out of Stanford and Seattle and the halftime interview or the postgame interview with Aaron Andrews and just all the stuff. Not, not all been great. I don't know off the field. It's not all been great. But in a way, that makes him all the more watchable. It's just that he's a complex guy. Um, I can't wait to watch him tonight. I love Carissa, and I love what they got going on, but that's Richard Sherman is the kind of thing where it's like, get to halftime because they just really messed up and there was something that happened on the field. I want to hear Richard Sherman's opinion. I'm already there with him. I'm in on Richard Sherman. It's something about what I love about the Thursday night game. Let's talk about, really? Do we have to, even on a Thursday? Yes, let's talk about what I hate. Go ahead. All right, it's called What I Hate, and I look really pissed off on it and everything, and sometimes I, what I am, I really am genuinely pissed off about what I talk about here. I wouldn't say I am here. This isn't so much a hate. Uh, I think I'm disliking, but we don't do a segment called What I Dislike. What we have with the New York Giants this weekend is your classic heat check, and it's a heat check coming from their head coach. Brian Dable's settling in, all right? He's 2-0. and They're one of the talks of the league. It's really impressive. I don't know if anybody in the world even had them at one and one. They won both games. They were both tight, not pretty, gritty games. He has decided to heat check, all right? Go to the Sky Camp for a second before him. Brian Dable, Sky Camp, thank you. Uh, Brian Dable is doing your heat check. So he started out right here, you know, our opening week. We're just going to try to win. And oh, what do you know? I went for two and I got it in. Okay, so then he moves back a little bit. You know, it's kind of a bigger game. 2-0 and would be really impressive, and he makes that one. So now he's like, oh, I can't miss. You know what he did? Brian Dayball decided that he was going to email all the Giants fans, season ticket holders and everything, and because of the Giants are wearing all white uniforms this Sunday for their game, he asked the Giants fans to do a whiteout, to wear all white to the stadium to MetLife down in Jersey, sort of college style. Again, that to me is a heat check. That is him. He's over here. No, Skycam. How dare you? Skycam. I gotta f- he's here. He's way. He's almost out of frame. See me over here? And he's just going to go like, let's see. And Dayball's just going to say, I'm going to try to see if I can make the Giants fans wear all white. No, nope, I hit the ceiling. And I got a feeling it might go that way too. Like a full air ball. Um, it's getting mixed reactions. Imagine you're a Giants fan. 
and uh, you're going to go to the game with your wife, your kid, or your buddies ready this weekend. And uh, you're going to wear your usual stuff. You wear your jersey and you wear your hat and maybe you paint your face if you're one of those type of fine people. But then you're like, the head coach is like, I want I want to wear all white. I'm like, I got a white shirt, white pants, white hat. Do you dig that? Are you into that as a Giants fan? Maybe you're so wrapped up in the day ball way. He's going to do it his own way. And this is fun and this is different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dress in all white. And you're like, look, it's been a nice start, dude. Like, don't, don't tell me what to dress. I've been going to games since you were a graduate assistant at such and such. I wear my LT jersey every single week. I'm not wearing white. That is cockamamie, little amateur college stuff. This is the NFL with the New York Giants. I wonder what the reaction is to that. Um, because if they do, and they're playing the Cowboys, it's Monday Night Football. If they do it, and the Giants fans really do show up en masse with white... That says a lot about the impact he has on this this fan base. This very particular, so I want to say stuck in their ways, but I would say traditional fan base. If they show up in white, then Brian Dable like is the puppet master. Like if Belichick told the New England Patriots fans to show up in all red or all blue, I'm not even sure they're doing it. And he's been there 25 years and has changed the world. It's interesting because in Good Morning Football today, we all kind of crapped on it. Like, we went around the table and we're like, yeah, it's just, it's amateur. What are you doing? Uh, stuck in your amateur ways. Like, well, don't do that. Don't ask NFL fans to show up in a whiteout like you're in Penn State or something. Um, someone at the table got a text right after the segment from a current NFL head coach, not Brian Dayball. And it said, why are you guys so against this? The NFL is so stiff and stuck in their ways. This is something fun. This is something novel. Everybody loosen up. So this head coach, who I have theories on who it is, but I won't share, actually was like, no, it's cool that he's doing that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm into it. I, don't, I think I would want to wear the jersey, the Zubaz, whatever you want. But again, this is something to watch for. We'll talk about the Monday Night Game next week. I'm anti-whiteout both as a substance and a letter, which looks even worse than if you just scribble it out. Do people still even use whiteouts? Do people still write letters? And as a like an NFL Sunday MetLife Stadium, we're going to intimidate the Cowboys because they're going to look up and it's going to be only one color garment and all our fans, I don't know, a little much. I think it's a reach. I think he misses the heat check and maybe loses the game. Giants go to 2-1, but we'll talk about that on Monday. As for right now, I wouldn't say I hate it. I don't like it, though. So let's move on, though, to something I do really like, and that's what's hilarious. Was that like the worst miss ever on the heat check? Even for me, whose motor skills apparently are just deteriorating right in front of you. That hit the ceiling. That was awful. I hope it goes better for Dable than it did for me. A couple things I think are hilarious. First of all, I'm just going to go off the board. I think it is so funny that um, Aaron Judge is about to pass Roger Maris. And these Yankees fans who have uh, <laughs> led and sweat and cried with the team their entire lives are going to miss it because they can't find Apple TV or don't have it or refuse to get it. It is so hilarious. Are you tracking this? It, it's awesome. It, Aaron Judge, this is this is a 60-home run guy now. He has one game, it's tonight, that is on conventional television, okay? If he hits two tonight, he gets 61 and then 62 to pass Maris. Everybody can see it. Everybody can die happy. Everyone can tell their grandkids about it. They saw it. If he hits, hopefully, and I'm hoping for it, I think it is so hilarious. No home runs tonight, all intentional walks. Yankees fans are going to be ready to riot. And then I want it to come up uh, tomorrow. As of tomorrow, he is playing exclusively on Apple TV. 
It's not on anything national. It's not MSG. None of that stuff. So in other words, pick your. I don't. It could be a 35 year old guy who just doesn't have Apple TV and is pissed about it, or a 75 year old guy who is with an oxygen mask and in his last days and just wants to see somebody pass Maris and Aaron Judge does it the right way. Can't watch it. I don't care. I'm just going to watch the replay. I'm not a Yankees fan. So because of that, the masochist in me, I want to see everyone get pissed off about it. I think it is very funny that people have spent their entire life following the Yanks and they've been there for the good days and the bad days. And this is their one moment they've been waiting for and they can't watch it. What a 2022 story. <laughs> that Imagine if you had gone back and told Roger Maris back in the day, it's not going to be broken. Not really anyway, not without any kind of major drugs. Another Yankee is going to do it in 2022, all these years from now. But, Roger, people won't be able to watch it because it's going to be exclusively streaming on Apple+. Plus. Imagine how stupid that would sound to him. Remember in Forrest Gump when he gets the letter that Lieutenant Dan invested all their money into Apple and he's like, uh, invest in some kind of fruit company or something so we don't have to worry about money no more, which is a good thing. It just makes no sense. It is so perfect that the, the old generation slamming into modern media of streaming. I mean, imagine that. Things are called Amazon now, like the, like the, the jungle and the river and the, uh, this apple. It, it sounds so stupid. They used to be called CBS, you know, or ABC. Even Fox probably would sound ridiculous to those people back. And there's a network called Fox? Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. There's When Animals Attack and The Simpsons and X-Files. It's great. So I just think it is so funny, though, that someone is going to be standing there Friday night and Roger Maris... You know it's going to happen immediately. Roger Maris's record will be broken. Aaron Judge will hit two 600-foot home runs in his first two at-bats, and no one will get to see it. And I'm hoping for it. I, I wasn't even supposed to talk about that, but because we don't have a bat. I'm just going from the hip. What's really hilarious? Max Headroom... Uh, another football story. Uh, it's actually about Britain, not the real, not Great Britain, where I'm going this weekend. I'm going to be doing the basement from England next week, like probably from a first floor hotel room that looks out on the AC units and is next to the ice machine. Probably. That's going to be some show for you guys. But until then, do you know who Britton Covey is? I promise that's a real person. Britton Covey's on the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the best teams in the league right now, 2 0. And he had this great story. It's this kid. Um, and uh, he is it's just fresh out of college. He shows up for the game. You got elevated from the practice squad. You're going to play. This is a nationally televised game, Britton Covey. You're going to be the punt return at the Philadelphia Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. Practice squad guy comes up, and he, wouldn't, he wasn't allowed into the player's parking lot. He showed up, and, I mean, he's probably driving his, his Honda or whatever. God bless him, his Civic. And, like, yeah, hi. He's, hi, I'm Britton Covey. And they're like, What? Get out of here. You're not a player. And he told the story right here. Listen to this. This is the Eagles punt returner about not being allowed into the player's lot the other night. And so I pulled up to the spot and they, and they said, you don't have the right parking pass. They said, I know. I, I just got elevated. I, I'm a returner. And they were like, can you verify that? You know? So it was, they were in a tough situation because, you know, I still had the practice squad parking pass. So eventually they said, look, man, we can't let you park here. We, we got to make you park, you know? And, uh, so they directed me, and I've never parked at the stadium, so they, they pointed me over to the lot where the tailgaters were parked, and, and so I didn't know any different. <laughs> and I went over there and parked with a bunch of tailgaters and had a good time. You know, I kind of felt like John Stockton walking in Barcelona. No one recognized <laughs> me, which is great. Uh, so many things I love about that. So again, this is Britton Covey, undrafted rookie out of Utah from start to finish. 
That's a great story. I like that he pulled up to the lot and they and he said, "Yeah, hi, I, I'm on the Eagles," and they're like, and they go, I'm, "He's I'm the punt returner," and they're like, "Verify that." What am I supposed to do? I got my ID here. Did you have a jugs machine? Do you want me to get out in the parking lot and catch some punts? I promise, I, I'm the punt returner. Didn't believe it. And in there, in the security's defense, I wouldn't say he necessarily sounds like most professional football players I've heard of any age whatsoever. He, I, I mean, would you believe him? Interesting background on Britton Covey. First of all, he pulls up, he goes, Hi, I'm Britton Covey. And they're like, that's not a real name. What? Britton Covey is your name? That That's the name on your fake ID trying to buy beer or get into the bar? Britton Covey? That's like McLovin. Like, that's, that's not a real name. There's no way. Get out of here. Well, it is his real name. Utah, born in Provo. Uh, as I'm sure you know, Steve Young and the Osmonds. He uh, missed the 2016 and 2017 college football seasons to go on a Latter-day Saints mission, missionary trip to Chile. So, I mean, he, he's, he's the real deal. He's just sacrificing his time. God bless him. He is the grandson of Stephen Covey. You're like, who's that? Stephen Covey wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This is an interesting guy here. That Dosa Keys guy, never mind him. Britton Covey is the most interesting man in the world. His, dad, his grandfather wrote that book? What are those habits? I'm not even sure. I'm still trying to learn the love languages. But then I love that he had to go to like the, the Eagles tailgating lot where it's not like the fans recognize them either. I make sure I'm getting out and it's just every standard issue Eagles fan wearing a Dawkins jersey with a hooded sweatshirt underneath it, even though it was probably 75 degrees. They never take that off. It's always Dawkins. It's always the hoodie underneath it. And he gets out and they have no idea who he is. And he still finds his way in sometime. And I really respect that Britton Covey showed that he is beyond his years when he said, yeah, it's kind of like uh, John Stockton when he was with the Dream Team in Barcelona. I don't even know if any of, probably a lot of you do, I don't know if all of you get that reference. 1992, the Dream Team, first time NBA players were allowed to be in the U.S. Olympic basketball team. It's in Barcelona, Spain. It's Jordan, it's Barkley, it's Ewing, it's Pippen, it's Malone, it's all those guys. And Stockton tells the story that they would go out in the streets to sightsee or whatever, and it was like the Beatles, but no one ever came up to John Stockton. And they would come up to John Stockton and say, Sir, 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 will you please take a a picture of me and and Christian Leitner and me and Clyde Drexler or Magic? And he'd be like, yeah, sure. It's okay, I'm only the all-time assistant steals leader. Bang, and he would take the picture. I love that, of course, Britton Covey knows John Stockton. He could probably just name all the jazz. It's it's Greg Ostertag. It's it's Jeff Hornacek. It is um, Brian Russell for sure. It's Malone. It's whoever that guy was who used to wear like the sunglasses, who had the bald head. I'm thinking of all those teams. Uh, obviously, uh, Mark Eaton, aka Mount Eaton. He knows all of them. Speaking of Mount Eaton, Mount Eaton was seven foot five. The, my favorite case of someone not being allowed into an arena. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Patrick Ewing threw a whole stink? about security stopped him at Madison Square Garden. He was there for college basketball at the time with Georgetown. And the, the, the article literally says that security did not recognize him. Come on. It's, it was one thing if it's Britton Covey, the rookie from Utah. Patrick Ewing is a seven feet tall. He's, he's, he's a seven foot tall icon who played in that arena at every level of his career. Granted, he and the rest of the Knicks were pathetic choke artists who never could accomplish anything against the Bulls, even when they had a 2-0 lead. Nothing. And Charles Smith is still under that hoop trying to put that ball into the basket. If you go there at night, the janitorial staff will tell you, Charles Smith is still standing under the basket trying to put it in. 
all these years later. People still think John Starks dunked on Jordan. He didn't. Let me give you a quick sidebar on that. I'm going so long today, I don't care. Quick sidebar. Let me explain something to you. All right. Knicks fans, I pity you. Maybe Yankees fans are in some of the same way. New York's having a moment right now, all right? The Jets are alive after two weeks, which is an accomplishment. The Giants are 2-0. The Yankees are about to make history, even though it's hilarious. A lot of you won't be able to watch on Apple TV. And the Mets are the Mets. Fine, it's all kind of things going on. Let me just take a moment to scratch the record for you and look back in history. I get my hair cut every, place, every, every time at a place called Jack's Barbershop, in which they got all the New York memorabilia, everything from Namath, Lawrence Taylor and all that. And there's this giant poster of John Starks. And he's doing the dunk in the playoff series that, you know, and it just says, the dunk. And it's John Starks and everyone thinks it's the greatest thing of all time. It's a really cool dunk, and he elevated out of nowhere, and it was a great moment. I am not here for you to, to tell me that that dunk was over Jordan, and he dunked on Jordan. Stop it with that. You guys have revised that in your head like that was Vince Carter on Frederick Weiss, and that Jordan was never the same player again because John Starks took his humanity. It was over Horace Grant. If anything, Jordan was dunk adjacent. He was in the picture, sort of to the side. He was not dunked on. So I'm not here for that anymore. And you're going to say, yes, he was a good radio. I'll show you the link. I'm telling you, dunked on Jordan. No, he didn't. And the fact that you're even celebrating that moment from a series that you didn't even win, that you guys choked away as always every time you played Michael Jordan is sad in and of itself. But you're having a nice moment in New York sports right now. I'm going to let you have I just want you to know. John Starks did not dunk on Michael Jordan, and I don't want to hear about it again. End of quick sidebar. Uh, you never know the places this show will go. You I didn't anticipate talking about John Starks today, but we were talking about, um, it's the, it's, it's the Britain, Britain Covey and uh, Patrick Ewan, that's why we got to it. That's what's hilarious, and, but enough of that. You want to know what's hilarious, the voicemails that you guys are leaving us. We do a segment called Family Confessional, where you, I just purged something about the, the dunk, the dunk. Meaningless play in a forgotten series for the Knicks. The dunk. Like, the catch. Montana to Clark. Like, that's the catch. It beat the Cowboys. Led to a Super Bowl. The dunk led to Bubkiss. Stop calling it the dunk, New York. You're better than that. Let's get into what we call family confessional. And here we go. Jesus, take the wheel. Because um, I mess up all the time with my kids and my family, and it, it feels kind of crappy, but it feels good to share it. And it feels good to get empathy for it, and people out there are doing the same thing. So we ask. We ask, have you ever messed up badly? you done something stupid you're not proud of that maybe you kind of hid from your wife or your husband and you just want to share with us? And we have a voicemail box. It's not even a voicemail box. It's an actual answering machine with a big old cassette tape in it. You call 252-4-BRANT. 252, the number four, Brandt, B-R-A-N-D-T, 2524 Brandt. Just leave us a story. Tell us, I messed this up. This was on me, and my kid might need counseling. Uh, my wife might need a girl's weekend because of this. I'll do it quickly. I always start, and then we'll get to the messages you left us. I'll tell this one. Uh, about a month ago, my six-year-old daughter was doing swim team at the local pool. She's on the swim team. She's got the, the Speedo. She got the goggles, and we had worked really hard with her all summer. She had taken swim lessons. She had taken special instruction with the swim team. Six years old, you know, she's 
she's doing the backstroke and she's doing the freestyle and it's, it's very cute still. But she really worked hard and we put a lot of time and energy and support for her and she was gaining a lot of confidence and getting really good in it. Well, we get to the swim meet and um, it's time for her little event. It's the six and under freestyle in the water, everybody. And I see all these little cute little kids plop in the water. Ding, 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 ding. And then what? It's lane one, lane two, lane three. Nobody's getting in lane four, lane five, lane six. Whoa, what happened to lane four? That's my daughter's lane. She won't get in. She will not get in. And she's having a meltdown. She's freaking out. She said, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't do it. I sprint over there. I put down my drink. I sprint over there. And I said, what's the matter? What's the matter? I don't want to do it. No, that's okay. It's okay. You can do it. I'll be right here. You can do it. You've done it a hundred times. I don't want to. I don't want her fingers in her mouth. And she's screaming and she's crying. And she's like starting to like, you know, hit me a little bit when I pick her up. So I'm going into the bag for every single tactic, every single approach I can. The sweet and supportive, the positive, the uh, the the firm. Like, come on now, you're going to do this. Your team is counting on you. To the, uh, we've worked on this now, almost short of what you're saying. Like, I paid for this, but you're not saying that. You're saying, I, we've worked on this to the firm, to back to the suite. Can you just do it one time? And then I, I'm doing that. We'll get ice cream afterwards. And this is in real time. The starter's going, can we please have everyone? I'm like, just, just chill out, Earl, with the white hat and the starter's pistol. I know you think you're freaking Wyatt Earp down there. Just take it easy. Give me a second. It's the six and under. This is not the Olympic Games, okay? So finally, it's it, they're saying we really we have to. Their coach saying we have to disqualify her. I don't want to disqualify her. So I did something I'm not terribly proud of. I know my daughter. And I know what makes her tick. After trying everything and every approach and every bribe and every tactic and every strategy, I said, "Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I don't want to do it." It's just fully unfolding, like just full tears, full shaking. I said, look at me, look at me. If you just do it, just do this one event. Just get in the water and swim. I'll be on the other side. And if you just do this one event, when we get home, you can watch two hours of Netflix. And she goes, oh, two hours? And I go, yeah, two hours. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> it was like she'd been, she like she was speaking in tongues and I cured her in one of those, as one of those televangelists. The devil was out of her. Get out. And she just jumped right in and she swam and it, you know, she, she did well. I probably took second or third place or something like that because she was in such a hurry to watch uh, uh, whatever that damn show is, Dreamtopia. She watches Dreamtopia. And so I'm not proud that I use screens and screen time to motivate my daughter and force her into the pool and something she was uncomfortable with. But damn it, it worked like a charm immediately. I could have said, honey, I'll get you a horse. I'll get you um, your own playhouse. I'll let you have a party, an ice cream party. The second I said you can watch two hours of Netflix, I probably should have started with one hour. The second I said it, her entire facial expression changed. It was almost like the tears went back up into her eyes, and she's like, I'm ready. I'll win Olympic gold right now if you let me watch Dreamtopia. Crazy, the power of this. And I wielded it, and I'm not proud of it. But now everybody knows, and you know, and it worked, and I'll probably do it again. But let's find out. Uh, that's what I confess. That's what I just purged. I feel better. I think I got, I got a, I have a little wet my whistle a little bit. That, that took a lot out of me. Let's get to our first one of you guys. These are real messages that you left, which I appreciate. I, and I like people who put their name on it. Albuquerque, that's the first one. All right, the land of Jesse Pinkman. Let's go to Gabriel, who left us this message at 2524 Brandt. Go ahead. 
Hey Kyle, it's Gabriel from Albuquerque. Just want to say I'm a big fan. You the man. This is a parenting story. So eight years ago, me and my wife were blessed with identical twin boys. And if you've seen anybody who's ever had twins, my wife was on the shelf for a while, so I decided to step up and be super dad. Well, it was time to take the boys in for their well checks to the pediatrician. Took one of them. Everything was fine. Everything was great. Came back home, scooped up the other one, took him to the pediatrician. Everything was fine. Came home. And when I got back the second time, it dawned on me. I took the same kid twice. I noticed it. I was gonna play it off, being cool, being super dad, don't want to bother mom. But these women are smarter than we are, and she figured it out very quickly. So in my mind, I was gonna play it off like it was all good. But that was the day that the magic marker came out, and from then on, all through their childhood, they always had their initial on their foot. Ah, that's a great tale. That, that 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 is a great tale. I think his name was Gabriel. Um, okay, so if if you follow that, he, Gabriel and his wife have twins. So let's call them. They didn't say their name. Please don't. Brady and Brandon. The only thing I kind of call BS on is that I'm not sure you accidentally took the same one twice. I feel like Brandon was having a tough day, and you got even slipperier than you're saying. You just took Brady twice. Hijinks are always in play with the twins. <laughs> That's incredible. So you took them in, you you got them, you know, weighed and measured, and you know, they look in their ears, look in their eyes, and did it not occur to you or even the physician that like, wow, it's exactly the same height. 27.3 inches for both of them. Let's put them on the scale. Wow. You guys must be really tending to them equally. Brandon is uh you know 21.60 pounds just like brady was that is great (laughs) and the fact that she caught it i wonder if you would have found out and she didn't find out do you tell her or do you just say so we got a double checkup for brady i'm sure brandon's fine look at him he's fine that is really good and then you got to go with the sharpie twin parents that i know are always very defensive about being asked like do you recognize them can you tell them apart yeah they're my children what a stupid stock question to ask twin parent but i guess you have to label them that's great there's a labeling episode of the office where michael has to label somebody that's a different variety we won't get into that gabriel that was a great call next call family confessional there it is the sign is askew the couch is heinous we don't have this one sometimes um they just don't leave their name, and maybe they don't leave their name because the story is that incriminating, but let's listen to it. Hey, Kyle. Love the show. Uh, so last year, my in-laws were staying with us, so uh, my spouse and I camped out in our son's room. Well, I had some journals from when I was a teenager that I did a lot of things that I don't want my kids to know about, or my in-laws, so I brought them in my son's room, stashed in a top dresser drawer. So fast forward about two months, in-laws are gone, completely forgot the journals were in there. My son comes home from school and says that he brought in a book for Bookshare Day, and it was my old journals. Now, thank God they did not call on him because the alcohol wrappers and stories that are taped in there and the stories that are told in this journal were definitely not appropriate for a third grader's class. Totally avoided the catastrophe that it could have been, but either way definitely don't think it was my best move to leave my teenage journals uh in my my uh 10-year-old son's room great message again 
Guys, enough with the journals. I think when people my age, and I'm assuming that caller's age were a little younger, I think it was very in vogue to have a diary. I had a bunch of them. And you'd get a diary, and I even had ones that had that, it had a little padlock on it, where you could actually lock the book, and it had a key and everything, so to keep all your secrets about, you know, kissing Sarah under the bleachers when you were 13, keep them very quiet. I, I can't, you can't do that now. Enough with the journals. And if you wrote them when you were in the early 90s and 80s like I did, let me tell you something. Throw them away. Burn them. You think you're keeping them from nostalgia, for nostalgia, and I'll want to look back on this someday. No, you won't. It's, it's not that interesting. What is, what is greater, a greater force? The idea that you're going to look back on them when you're 61 and say, yeah, look at that, I was a horny little bastard. Or... Your significant other finds them, your kids find them, someone finds them, you don't want to find them, they, someone finds them and puts them online, just get rid of them. I used to have that kind of stuff. It's all gone. I don't miss it for a second. I don't need the trip of nostalgia. We all have enough nostalgia in our lives right now. Get rid of the journals. Although, obviously, that caller put a lot of work into her journals. Did she say, did she say the, the phrase alcohol wrappers? Were you taking like your Captain Morgan spiced rum wrapper and putting it in the journal? to remember the night that you and your friends threw up after you drank a handle of it. I actually think that's kind of cool. So maybe you're a little more protective of your journals, but if they're just lying around, they're not in storage somewhere, they're not in a box, they're not in the attic, do you need to access them regularly? This woman has her journals around like it's an Us Weekly on the coffee table. You had to think to move them just because, put them away, destroy them. You think you're gonna get this amazing sensation later in life. I should keep these things, don't do it. And if you need to keep them that badly, take a picture of them and put them in like a protected file on your phone. That's what I do with all the old crap now. Like all the, the pictures that I made for my mom for Mother's Day when she was, you know, when I was six that she's now sent me because she wants them out of her house. Take a picture, throw it away. All right? Or just don't take a picture. You don't need journals anymore. It does not that important to remember what we were doing when we were 11. Enough with that. Kids these days will never relate. They won't do it. But that's a good story. I, I just I would advise everyone right now Get rid of this. And I don't, you're like, hey, it's, keep protected. Don't. Someone's going to find it. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to regret it. That's it. I think that's it for Family Confession. I like to go overhead. Two seems like a good number. I have another one from a Bills fan. It has a story about her niece. Should I get to it? I think I save it for next time. I still am, I'm still ranting about John Starks on the show. Someone let John Starks know that I said that. And maybe he'll come to the basement and probably insist that he dunked on Michael Jordan. I think that's it for Family Confession. But again, you just heard these. You have heard mine. If you have one, give us a succinct, tight little thing that you would like to confess that you did that was wrong or stupid or even just hilarious. 252, the number four, Brant. We'll play it. I'll help you. We'll purge. We'll heal. We'll be happy. That's Family Confessional. I really enjoyed that, guys. Um, but not as much as I enjoy this. My confession. I have... Um, an absolutely a huge amount of love and respect for Sam Pepper. That is the face, the brains, and if you ask me, the balls of something that we call Brant Awareness. Roll it. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> if no one is seeing this right now, Pepper clearly ran to his closet took it out of mouthballs and has the John Stark shirt. Tell us about this. Well, I uh, actually bought it last year, but I, to be fair, I, I didn't just dig it out of the closet. I dug it out of the hamper because I wore it a couple days ago. 
You wear that regular, like you'll wear it on a Tuesday, just your John Stark shirt? Yeah, I kind of wear it around, you know, when, when I'm not going to be on a company Zoom or something like that. It's it's very Amazing. comfortable. Um, and, and, and the fact that you're trying to take away one of the great moments of my fandom, it's, it hurts. But, you know, I'll still keep you aware of some headlines. That's incredible. And I mean, what I mean, what's incredible is the fact that that completely insignificant two points was one of the great moments of your fandom. I feel bad for you. It was just the wrong era. You guys had some great teams you just ran up against the wrong guy. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's uh, him, Reggie Miller. You know, we ran up against the Heat, the refs for suspending Patrick Ewing. You know, we, we ran up against a lot of people. <laughs> uh, sorry, not sorry. My adolescence was so blessed by how much winning we did. It, it's wonderful. I think it projects to my self-confidence now. It's been a great thing. Sam, what do you got in the headlines other than John Starks? Um, yeah, I'll search for some John Stark stories. But first up, Eagles Commanders this week, which means it's the first time Carson Wentz will face the team that drafted him. Wentz says he's excited to face Philly, but will try not to make the game bigger than it needs to be. So, Kyle, what are you expecting from Wentz? In August of 2016, I was at the Eagles facility. We had started Good Morning Football about two weeks prior you might remember at that time, they had drafted Carson Wentz, the second overall pick, and Sam Bradford was going to be Eagles quarterback that season. He was their guy. He was the veteran. They were set. Wild man Howie Roseman decided to trade Sam Bradford. Bam. And Carson Wentz was a national story. He's going to be the starter. I get there. It's dark out. We had like, we were there at 5 a.m. or something. And uh, I see this guy roll up in this Range Rover. He gets out, and, and totally in the dark in the parking lot. Tall guy. And he's carrying like five boxes of donuts. I'm talking like 60 donuts. And sure enough, he's got this red hair. And I go, oh my God, that's him. And if this is this rookie, you know, North Dakota State. And he's going to be starting for the Eagles in the season opener. And the, the season opener was uh, like a few days away. I think it was two days away. And I walk up to him. And I go, hey, man, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you too. I'm Carson. I'm bringing donuts for the veterans. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. He was so earnest and so wide-eyed and so nice. And I really was impressed by that, that he was like first one in. He had his like, uh, some the Range Rover dealership like lent him that or something because he's the Eagles quarterback. He's got all the donuts. He was so eager beaver. Like he felt like a child who was bringing an apple for his teacher and had like his, his book satchel and was skipping in like Pinocchio to school. Like it was just very impressive. And then he played great his rookie year, played sensational in his second year. It just became a thing. Now he's had one of the most interesting football lives. He really has. Imagine that. It, it just, just the quick summation. His second year, he was definitely, definitely going to be MVP of the league as the Eagles quarterback. Blows out his knee against the Rams in the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, we know what happened. The Eagles went on with Nick Foles, the Super Bowl, everything. And he just has to stand there and watch. Super awkward. Next year again, he's kind of not really back. Foles is the man again. It's just strange thing. And then it totally falls apart. You hear all these things about... He lost the locker room. Uh, he didn't get along with it. And, like He was the future, guys. Like He, he was going to be the Eagles quarterback for 15 years. He was the man. He was the best player in the league that year. The best. Not Brady, not Raj. Carson Wentz. It's aged so strangely. And then the bizarre year in Indianapolis, one season. He's back with Frank Reich. This back, they got the band back together. They're going to make it work. And he did play really well last year at times. He just had a couple really bad viral highlights. And they had a disastrous loss in week 17, or I guess it would be week 18. And there's like, done. One and done. So now he goes to the Commanders, where he is a punchline. He, he is a punchline for a million different reasons. His fashion sense, his media sense, 
Uh, people skewer him for all the hunting he does and the pictures and everything. The commanders themselves are a punchline, both in their reputation as an organization, their team name, their uniform. So it's like this perfect storm of, ha ha. Like, it's just everyone wants to laugh at it. Through two weeks of the NFL season, the NFL leader in touchdown passes is Carson Wentz of the Washington Commanders. He's in a tie. He's in a tie with Tua and maybe Josh. I think Josh. Yeah, he has seven touchdowns in two weeks. And they're one and one and they're like right in it and it's legitimate and he's probably going to be pretty good this year. So uh, I always kind of find myself rooting for the just automatic punchline guys, the guys who all I want to do is make jokes and dumb memes and hilarious tweets about him. It's actually part of the reason, as you know, I've said many times that I love Kirk Cousins. I just love him. And um, Carson Wentz is closely behind. They, the two of them have a lot in common in their personal lives and in their football lives, but uh, I, I am finding myself now being a Carson Wentz sympathizer. Um, listen, he's not the coolest guy. Doesn't try to pretend to be the coolest guy. He is a man of really strong, devoted faith. Carson Wentz had a food truck that in Philadelphia that was a food-based, or excuse me, faith-based food truck. Do you know what it was called? It was come. It was called Thy Kingdom Crumb. That is the level of his faith in as it pertains to his life. I thought it should have been called Jesus Take the Wheel, but he didn't ask me. So as it pertains to this game, um, everyone just wants to crap on him and the commanders and everything. And I think the Eagles are getting a little fat and happy right now. If the if Carson Wentz wins this game, actually going to feel really good for him. He's not like, I'm not friends with him or anything. He's not my favorite guy in the league, but I think it's kind of a cool story. He's had a fascinating football life and it just refuses to die. Every time you think it's over, he comes back up. That's why I think he'll probably win this game. That's my take, Sam. I like it. I like it. Uh, next up, Packers-Bucks on Sunday. Rodgers-Brady, fifth matchup between the two. Brady is 3-1 and one against Rodgers, including an mm-hmm. NFC title game win a couple years back. What are you most interested in here? I mean, the real story of the game is going to be Rodgers versus the Buccaneers defense, who have been the most impressive defense in the league after two weeks. They've been awesome. I mean, just awesome. And I don't know if the, if, if the Packers have the horses. But what's funny about this game is that all we ever talk about is that Rodgers doesn't have the weapons and Devontae's gone. Rodgers has better weapons in his huddle than Tom Brady does in this game. It's, it's, I don't even think it's close. Brady's decimated. You think Brady's in a bad mood now and looking gaunt now? Understand the, the Buccaneers huddle right now. Mike Evans is suspended. Chris Godwin is hurt. Julio Jones is hurt. Gronk is not coming back. They signed Cole Beasley not because they needed a guy. Like, Cole Beasley's going to figure in this game. He's probably going to catch a bunch of balls. It is a crazy mismatch. But the headline of Brady versus Rodgers, I talk about all this. I talk about this all the time. They are—they're not friends. Like I don't think they don't hang out. They play in that golf tournament and they bust each other's chops for the cameras. But I don't think there's a lot of love there. I broke down this morning. Good morning, football. I saw all four of their embraces after the game in the four times that they played, of which Brady's won three. It's not smiles and hugs it's like it's perfunctory i would put that they don't like each other and i I really do believe that i don't know that but based on my intuition studying the body language i don't think they're friends i don't think they like each other and as much as rogers has i in the prize and all that he's never going to admit it i think he would kill to beat tom brady like just absolutely kill so watch their post game post game uh, exchange in this one if brady loses it'll be so quick and so terse as we know sometimes brady doesn't go out there at all I hope he does, because I want to see how Brady handles it. And I actually do think the Packers are going to win this game, because as good as Tampa's defense is, uh, Brady's offense is decimated. Watch Brady in this game for the more of the, 
the um, Microsoft Surface throwing, more of the yelling. Because if you thought he was frustrated last week, last week he was playing with Mike Evans for most of the game, not for this one. It's a great matchup. Sam, would you go to a food truck called Thy Kingdom Crumb? Are you into that? I think I would go, yeah, I mean, of course, I'd go to anything involving food. But um, I, I think <laughs> I'd, I'd rather a food truck called, like, Cod Bless or something like that. Cod Bless you! Oh, that's awesome. Sorry. That's, I, see, God, you are I didn't quick. Mean to, you are I didn't so, mean to it, steal it, your thunder it, on that it's one. It's incredible. Yeah. All right, All right. Here's, here's the challenge. Give me a yep. story, and then while I'm reacting to it, I want another faith-based food truck name from you when I come back. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's a challenge. All right, finally, Harry Styles of Don't Worry Darling fame closed out his historic 15-night run at Madison Square Garden. To celebrate, the Garden raised a banner to the rafters to commemorate his record 15 straight sold-out shows. Styles joins Billy Joel and Fish as the only musical acts to receive the honor. Kyle, do you think Harry Styles deserves the banner? No. Come on. I mean... What was I? I was trying to. I'm trying to be nice to New York today because, again, they're having a moment. How old is Harry Styles even? Like, let's. Can, can, didn't having a banner in the Madison Square Garden. I understand they're not exactly churning them out on the athletic sense lately. Didn't it used to mean something? So if you follow this, if you're not in New York, never been to the Garden, so you go there and there's you know a bunch of Knicks, you know minimal championships that, you know, they won some sort of division or something they're in. They don't mean anything. They might as well be toilet paper, but they hang them for the Knicks. Then you got the Rangers ones and all that. And there's a lot of banners up there. Okay. And so you're sitting there and you're looking, and then there's a Billy Joel banner. Billy Joel, that Billy Joel has a banner there for all the times that he's performed. He has a standard residency at Madison Square Garden and he is just Mr. New York and he's beloved. Then next to that, Fish, Sam mentioned, P-H-I-S-H, they got one, too, uh, about all they've accomplished and how many times they've played. So it's like, all right, so it was kind of cool when it was a sports thing and then Billy Joel, because just such an icon. All right, well, now Fish has one. Apparently, they've earned it. And look, I, I, I don't, I, I've never listened to one note of one Fish song. It's not my thing. I remember in high school, they started to blow up, and they were like the Fish people. And now I live in the suburbs, and I'm in my 40s, and we got friends that we will like go to dinner with. Her, like, yeah, we, we went to Fish three times in a row last week when they were in town. They just live for it. And I don't know if the music is good, or if the drugs are good, or both, or it's just something cultural that I don't get. I don't besmirch it. I'm not looking down on it. It is just ain't my thing. So now we got Billy Joel. Now we got Fish. And now Harry Styles has a banner, too. Like... At some point, you know, did the Chili Peppers have a banner and Foo Fighters have a banner? How many banners do we have to do? Most importantly, Sam, I know you'll agree with this. There's also that huge banner they're going to hang up that just says The Dunk. And it says that, you know, uh, series losers to the Chicago Bulls. But we did have one dunk over Horace Grant once that was really awesome. Now people sell t-shirts about it. So I'm not into the Harry Styles banner yet. And you got to earn a little more. But it, the John Starks banner, I think, is well overdue, don't you think? I think so, uh, but most importantly, um, I was thinking about these faith-based puns. What do you got? Um, I was gonna go with the Last Supper. Seemed a little too easily, too easy. It's <laughs> good. It's good. But I'm going with the aioli spirit. The the what spirit? The aioli spirit. Ah. Uh, I mean, look, Sam, you, you may be in the wrong line of work 
just sit around and just go into some of the more religious areas of our country and just drive around with a truck and sell French fries and donuts and all that stuff. That, that's really good. I thought Cheese's Take the Wheel, a grilled cheese food truck, was, was pretty good, and it is. But just the Last Supper, <laughs> man, you bring your friends, you know, you just line them exactly. up and you eat, and then that, that's all she wrote. Uh, Sam, this has been one of my favorite uh, brand awarenesses. I liked that you showed the hustle, got the Stark shirt out of the hamper, but as we know, it really does belong in the garbage. I'm sorry, just that's... (laughs) 90s Knicks fans, had to be hard, guys. You do what you have to do to get through it. You have to, right? Yeah, it was the worst. It was the worst. Sorry, and at least you have the 2022 Jets, who if they beat the Bengals this weekend, watch the hell out. Thank you, Sam Pepper. We're out of here. No, wait, hold on. We have one business piece to take care of. Uh, it is um, our goodbye. We say goodbye with darts and with topics. I throw a dart over there. Skycam, please. I go to throw a dart over to the board over there, and uh, whatever number it hits, there's a corresponding topic that I have to ad lib. Um, and then I got to get out of here. I am. Oh, crap. I have to go like right now. I'm shooting a piece for the NFL today on CBS today, like a featured piece where we go, and I, I'm, I'm going to be on a boat. And I'm going to be talking about the Bengals. So you want to look out for that. It's going to be really cool. So I got to do this quickly. What is the number? Yeah. That's the 19, guys. 19. I don't know if we've done a 19 before. What do you got? 19. That's the first menu. What do we got on the second? Oh, worst date. Okay. I can handle that. Um, Well, some people don't know this about me. Many people... Uh, most of the dating that I did in life was in Los Angeles because I was living there during my 20s. And I actually eventually met my wife via Match.com. I'm not kidding. I was on Match.com. I just couldn't meet anybody in L.A. who wasn't like, you know, some aspiring actress or, uh, I don't know, a model or something like that. It's just I wasn't meeting people of, uh, of substance, I thought. Not there's anything wrong with actresses or models. Um, but... Uh, in doing that, I was really, you know, really looking. So, worst date, uh, a couple of them. There's a couple times I went on a Match.com dates where the woman looked just nothing like her profile picture. It's different hair color, 12-year-old picture, different place in life. Just You show up and she's like, hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm like, the hell you are? What are you talking about? I can pull up your thing right now that doesn't look anything like you, Kristen. Um, but I think the worst date I went on was a blind date. I went, I was, I, I always wanted to go on one. I like the show, The Blind Date, and um, it was just, I wanted to scratch that itch. I wanted to be set up on a truly blind date. This is back when you couldn't look on Facebook, you couldn't look on any social media. You would just show up and they'd say, all right, she's going to be at El Compadre, um, home of the flaming margarita, at 8 o'clock, and she says she's wearing a blue sweater and she's got blonde hair. I'm like, all right, her name's, I don't know what her name is, Katie. I show up. And it was, it was like out of a stupid rom-com. I, you know, I'm like Mark Ruffalo trying, or James Marsden trying to meet somebody. I go up, I see, and I'm sitting there. And sure enough, there's this blonde girl in a blue sweater. And I'm like, well, that can't be her. Just covered. When I, it, when, believe me, when I covered in tattoos all over. And I'm saying she's wearing a sweater. So imagine how much I have to, she, how many tattoos she has to see if she's wearing a sweater and she's still covered. Neck tattoos around the back. She's wearing shorts, they're all up and down her legs. And believe me, that's a look. It's fine. There's many people like that. That look is not for me. And I'm not sure who thought it was. I remember the friend who set me up, so she walks up to me and she goes, 
Are you Kyle? And you have that moment where you're like, should I say no? But it was like, I, I think it was, oh, uh, he's going to be there and he's going to be wearing a, a Pearl Jam shirt. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm like, just stock issue white guy in 2004 wearing a Pearl Jam. I can't be like, no, that's not me. So yeah, that was it. She was really nice. And we, we had the whole dinner and we had enchiladas and all that. And I think there was like a stiff hug at the end of it, but... Uh, I, I, the, the heavily, heavily, heavily tattooed woman is, is just, that wasn't what I was interested in. That's not an appealing look to me, just as I'm sure a, like a douche in a Pearl Jam shirt was not the look for her. So I'm not like the victim here. I'm sure Katie wasted her time too. Idiots who set us up with that. That's she's a nice person, but worst date. Brown Steelers tonight. Um, please check it out. We will be back, I think... I think the next time you see me, I'm going to be in London on Sunday night, allegedly, like in a crazy different time zone. That's going to be some show. Um, but just remember, no matter what time zone I'm in, no matter what part of the country, John Starks didn't dunk on Michael Jordan. That's The Basement. We'll see you next time. Love you guys.